Welcome to the Sexy Selfish Podcast Series. I'm your host, Shona Gates. I'm a women's life coach, success strategist, and a self-proclaimed badass. And I'm here to help you rediscover your authentic self, stop delaying your happiness, and step into your truth. This podcast has been created to connect, inspire, and nurture mums who want more. Are you ready? why but I've always felt kind of funny talking about this like somehow even though I know all this stuff and I've been in this industry for so long and like I know my shit I'm now considered an expert in this area but somehow speaking about the parenthood side of money mindset has always felt like something I don't know that I wasn't ready yet for something that I questioned whether I actually knew what I was talking about But after some recent conversations with my kids' therapists, because my kids are all have behavioral therapists as part of their autism and ADHD, we do have an incredible like support system of therapists around us. A couple of like conversations with them recently has made me realize like, okay, no, I do know my shit around this. My kids are having a healthier relationship with money because of what I know and what I'm sharing with them and the things that we are changing within our home. And I do notice the difference between my eldest son, Eric, who is nearly 11, and he kind of knew me before. He got five years of me as a mum who, yes, ran businesses and, yes, was ambitious and successful. So he has no doubts about all that. But also he saw that side of me that was terrified of money, who freaked out when a bill came, who had to take a calculator with her shopping to make sure she didn't go over budget, who would walk everywhere so she didn't have to put petrol in the car, (laughs) like who sacrificed again and again and again and was looking, you know, in the couch for spare coins to buy milk for the week. So it's an, an interesting contrast to see Eric, who's obviously nearly 11 and got to experience me as a mother before money mindset work. And then in contrast to Holly and Hudson, who are obviously younger and have seen things differently, seen me approach money and wealth and abundance and work differently. So they've kind of got this completely different experience. And it always highlights to me the fact that you can raise your kids exactly the same, but who you are when you're raising them might not be exactly the same. So my husband has two brothers. I love my brother-in-laws. They are amazing. But for three boys who were born pretty close together and raised exactly the same way by the same parents, they are three completely different people. They have their parents' work ethic. They have their parents' integrity, but they are completely different people. And I was kind of like, wow, I don't even understand that. But now I do. Now I do. Realizing that Eric got one version of me as a mother. Holly, who's now eight, she got a different version of a mother who was like kind of shifting and going through this personal development. And Holly was nine months old. Well, she she wasn't, I was pregnant with her. I, Sorry, I started bronze addiction spray tanning before I got pregnant. I was pregnant working with her. When she was born, I was already running a business. And so that's kind of the normal for her. And then Hudson, oh my God. Okay, so I had like two companies under my belt, three when I got pregnant with Hudson. He's just been born straight into mommy launches books and mommy goes to events and mommy does all this work. That's totally normal for him. And he gets the best of me because 
he gets me after all this personal development work is done, after the money mindset work is done. And I kind of just realized recently, like there is a contrast between my kids. Um, Eric does make comments occasionally. He's like, can we afford that? Well, that's so much money. I'm really sorry, mum. And I'm like, dude, no, it's fine. <laughs> like I'm not buying you $1,200 basketball shoes, but it's not because I can't afford them. It's because I personally think that's a ridiculous amount of money when your school shoes wear out within three months because you're so hard on them. I'm not spending $1,200 on a pair of shoes for you. But I said, the money's not the problem. I could buy that today if I wanted. Here's the reasons I'm not. So we have different conversations, Eric and I now, because it's at a different level. Whereas Holly's, Holly's like a mini BFF who just encourages you to buy everything. She's the worst person to go shopping with. She'll literally talk me into anything. <laughs> but but at the other day I bought her like an $80 handbag and I left the shop and I'm just like, wait a minute, what the fuck? I don't have an $80 handbag at her age. I was like, oh my God. Anyway, anyway, so I wanted to share a couple of things that Aaron and I do as parents who are deep into personal development, who have done all this deep work with money mindset how that actually looks in our life as parents, because it is probably a little bit different than what we grew up with. It's different than the conversations I see with other families around us. So the first thing is we make money fun. We try to make money really fun. I know there's this whole thought process of like, you know, teach your kids when they're young to budget and they've got to give 10% to charity and they've got to get 10% to savings and then take tax off them for every bit of pocket money they earn. And I'm like, I get that. I totally get that. But I grew up in fear of money. Money was never fun. Money was this scary, horrible thing. And I think that didn't serve me growing up. It's like an eating disorder, right? Like your food's fun and food's a joyful experience in your family growing up and something that is used to celebrate and as gratitude and nourishment, you have a completely different relationship with food than if food was something that you watched your parents always diet or food was a bad thing or someone had a chocolate and they're like, oh, I really shouldn't have. It's going straight to my hips. It's the same attitude with money. And so if my kids have an exciting, expansive, supportive relationship with money, not discrediting that they should never put away money for their taxes, not saying that they should never save for anything, but I'm more concerned on making money an expansive experience for them, making it fun, making it enjoyable, celebrating spending money, celebrating saving money. So that's kind of the attitude that Aaron and I have decided to go with. <laughs> that's all we're going to go with. So our, our kids do get... Pocket, well, they don't get pocket money. Okay, so this is what I was explaining to them. I send $10 to an account for them every single week since they were born. That's how it works. But that's not for them. That's like for future trust setups, for future investing, for future house, for like long-term goals. And they know that's there. And they're like always like, how much money is in that now? Like they, they like to know what's in there, but it's not for them. And they explain that it, I explain that it's going to be invested. It's not specifically for them to like buy shoes with or Barbie dolls. We have a secondary system which, and please know this is not sponsored. This is not an ad. This is absolutely nothing. I get no kickbacks for this, but we have actually implemented Spriggy cards for the kids, mainly because in Holly's room somewhere, there is like $140 in cash. Does she know where? No. Holly has ADHD. Like I have ADHD, but Holly's like a whole nother basket. <laughs> she has ADHD. So the minute she can't see something, it ceases to exist. So it is somewhere in her room, but she has no idea where. She's got all this birthday money, all this Christmas money. She just misplaces everything, everything important. And I'm not going to like shame her for it and tell her she needs to completely sort her room out because her brain doesn't work like that. So we had to come up with a different option. 
And the option was like, okay, I'm not giving you like $2 for weeding the front your your lawn or anything again, because you're just going to freaking lose it. And then you're not going to have a good relationship with money because you're going to feel lots of shame and guilt for misplacing your money, which is obviously something kids still need to learn. But the days of coins and cash is reducing, right? It is. The other thing is Eric has a lot of money. He has a lot of money. He gets birthday money. He likes to ask for money. He saves his money. He does work. He does work. He mows lawns. He mows late. He wants to mow neighbors' lawns. He's always like, how can I make more money? He's got his mother's entrepreneurial hustler spirit. And he actually does work um, for a friend in a local vineyard on weekends if they need him. And so he gets paid cash. The flip side is that was when he went to buy a fish recently, he <laughs> turns up to the pet store and opens his wallet. And I'm like, mate, is that like $200? And he's like, yeah, it's all my money. And I'm like, dude, you haven't been taking this wallet to school, have you? And he's like, oh, sometimes like, you can't just walk around with that much money. So we've had a couple of conversations around that. And it really got to the point. It's like, I think we need, we need a different system for this. So We've implemented the Spriggy cards with the kids, which works really well because it's all connected to online banking and you can set up jobs and tasks. So to make money fun, to make money expansive, I don't have like a, you get $2 every week or you get $10 every week allowance. I have, hey, mommy really thinks the front lawn needs to be mowed or mommy really thinks her car needs a wash. And I'm thinking it's probably worth about $4. And if any of the kids want to do it, they're like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Okay, cool. And I set up the job in Spriggy, $4 to wash mum's car. And then I can tick it off when it's been achieved. And then the money goes directly into their savings account. And then I can load it onto their, their card. So that's working really well for us. That's really fun. The kids enjoy that. I put these little jobs up and it's kind of like bids. It's like accepting tenders and bids. I'm like, okay, I need the whole house vacuumed and mopped. Who wants it? <laughs> this is how much it is for vacuuming. This is how much it is for mopping. And they can see their accounts go up. They can see on the app that they're getting paid for the jobs that they do. And it feels exciting. It feels expensive. Eric comes out sometimes and he says, you know, oh, I really want to make a bit of money. I'm a bit bored this weekend. What can I do? And then I'll look around and be like, okay, so what do you think you can do? What do you think that's worth? So the skills that I think really help with is that it helps them to like negotiate and understand value. Also, if they haven't done the job properly, I don't pay them or I make them do it again because I'm a hard ass. So it was Eric paid, he wanted $4 to wash my car the other day and he did it. And then Aaron checked over and he's like, nah, mate, it's not good enough. We're going to have to do it again. And I was like, should I pay him less or is he just going to do it again? And so then he negotiated to just do the job again. So this has been really fun. And then they've got their cards. And so if there's anything like, you know, they, um, want to go stay with their grandparents a couple of days or their auntie, I can give them the card and I can make sure there's like $20, $30 of the, out of the money that they've earned onto the card so they can spend it when they go out. And it feels freaking amazing for kids to be able to do that, to be able to go like, oh, we're going out to breakfast, Arnie Sean. That's cool. I'm going to pay for that. Or I'm going up to Nanny's and I'm going to buy us hot chocolates in the morning. Like it, it creates a good experience with money. The second part of this is adapting a principle of saving without making it the most boring shit you've ever heard of in your fucking life. <laughs> so one of my favorite books I've ever read is Jim, a Jim Rohn book. Fuck, I cannot remember the life of me, what the name of it is. Um, but his entire philosophy for teaching kids and teenagers about money is you never spend more than 70%. So you never spend more than 70 cents on a dollar. 
And I think there's so many systems and structures out there. And like for an adult in my money mindset courses, I teach not a complicated budget system. It's very simple. You just put in your monthly income and it calculates everything. But you know, like there's, there's five, six parts to it. Whereas for kids, that's, that's too much. That makes money fun. Um, sorry, not fun. That makes it horrible. That makes it annoying. That makes it frustrating and restrictive. And they're like, oh my God, what's even the point in earning money if I'm going to lose 10% to charity, 10% to savings, 15, 20, 30% to tax. And they get like, before they even grown up, they're like, dude, money sucks. <laughs> that's not the relationship I want my kids to have with money. So we focus on fun earning jobs for money, understanding the value of things. They're always vision boarding. They're always bidding, pinning things they want to Pinterest. And Eric will come out and he's be like, oh my God, I found this amazing basketball jersey that I want. And it's $130. So how many lawns do I need to mow to, to get that? And so they've, they've got a good relationship with money at this point. We'll see. As they grow up, it, it will change. It will obviously change when they start working, when they start desiring more out of life. And those are conversations we'll get to down the track. Bear in mind, my kids are three, not even three yet eight and 11, nearly 11. So this is the stage we're at. The 70 cents to a dollar thing, I feel makes sense. That makes sense. Like, okay, mate, if you've got a hundred dollars in your bank account, I would say like spend up to 80 on this weekend or when you're going to stay in the city with friends. I said, like, you got a hundred dollars, spend 80. And that way you've got 30% there to grow again. And I think this became clear when Eric did go and buy all his fish stuff. Cause even though the fish itself was like $7 for this goldfish, the tank was a hundred, the chemicals was X amount, the plants he wanted for it was X, Y, Z. And so suddenly the $200 that he had saved reduced very quickly. And I think he had 45 left at the end of it. And you could see, he was like, Oh mom, I'm not sure if I've made the right decision. I'm feeling a bit like, I don't like seeing my money that low. I'm like, that's okay. That is totally normal. But guess what? You can always make more money. You can always make more money. You can always get more money. You're going to grow that bank account back up again. It's totally fine. Everyone has this little feeling when they've saved a lot of money and then they spend some of it. Everyone feels like this, but it's okay because you can make more money. And we talked it out and he moved past it. But then we opened that conversation for. So in future, here's a good rule to make sure that you manage this feeling, to make sure that you don't overextend yourself is only pay 70, only ever spend 70 cents to a dollar. And the remaining 30 it stays there, whether that's saving, tax, all the stuff you need to do as a future, as an adult, 70 cents to a dollar, you will live within your means, you will manage your money. And I feel like that's a really great rule. So we've implemented that with the kids. They've got their spriggy cards that they can spend, um, you know, and because it's all set by us. <laughs> it's not like a credit card where they can go online and get, I don't know, Minecraft dollars or whatever the hell those those things are. We don't actually let the kids play Minecraft, so I wouldn't know. But I'm, I have friends that are like, oh my God, the kids spent $800 on some roblox coins or something i'm like i have no idea but it's capped so they can't do that and we still hold on to the cards mainly because my kids have asd and adhd and they will fucking lose them so we hold on to them and then for events it's like okay you can have it and so basketball trainings and basketball games you know the kids are like can i get a gatorade can i get a chips can i get a can i get that and i'm like you know what your dinner's right at home but if you want to go buy yourself a gatorade with your card that's totally fine and so it's giving them responsibility, empowering them to make their own financial decisions. And then they're also empowering them to learn, you know, they've got to make mistakes with money. They have to, you can't safeguard them from everything in life. They've got to make a couple of mistakes with money. They've got to spend more than they wanted to. They've got to have bought something they don't use or bought something that breaks or bought something cheap and tacky that they get home and they're like, oh, I shouldn't have done this. They need to experience that and they need to feel that so that they learn and grow from that, right? We've got to let them fall. 
so they know how to get back up. So that's kind of how we navigate pocket money and stuff. In terms of our own mindset around money, we are careful not to talk about like money and bills and stuff in front of the kids. Not that we're trying to hide it or give them a false sense of security, but I know what it's like to grow up with parents who I probably knew too much about the family finances. You know, I probably knew too much about what the electricity cost. And so there's certain conversations that happen when they go to bed. Like if we're sitting down and doing our family budget for the year. Sorry, this is when it got really highlighted to me that the kids probably knew a little bit too much was every year at the end of financial year when we're doing all our business taxes and everything like that, I sit down and actually go through every transaction in the past 12 months and I put them all into categories in an Excel spreadsheet because I'm a crazy person um, and I certainly don't expect everyone else to do this or enjoy doing it, but I do. And it kind of just gives me a yearly breakdown of exactly where our money's gone. And it's always really interesting to see like, oh my God, that's how much girls spent on takeaway. Or also like, holy shit, that's how much we spent on medical stuff this year. Like we have had a sick year. (laughs) Everyone's had stuff going on. And yep, that's $6,000 in medical stuff between chemists and doctors and specialists. And it's a lot, but it's really good to know exactly where our money's going, but then also budget for the next 12 months and go, okay, this is what it costs to run our life. Is there areas that we want to change after looking at this? Yes. Great. Okay. But also this is what it costs to run our life. So upgrading our income to match that every time is really important. So when they, Eric kept coming in because I was working the spreadsheet over a couple of days. Like it's a lot to go through 12 months of accounts. I think it was, took me two days to do it. And he kept coming in and being like, what's the takeaway at now? What's the takeaway? <laughs> I'm like, dude, you don't need to worry about it. It's fine. Yes. It's higher than I would like that the amount we spent on takeaway last year, but you know, it's just reflective of the phase in life we're in. We're, not, we're hardly spending anything on takeaway now because Aaron and I work from home all the time. So we're not grabbing lunches on the go like we used to. But Eric got super invested into like how much was the takeaway cost. Um, so it's, it's funny as he grows, I see a little bit of that mindset that I had previously. It, it pops out and then I have to have really conscious conversations with him, really present conversations to work on rerouting those beliefs that we are okay, mate. We are safe. <laughs> spending money is okay. Feeling funny about money is normal, but it doesn't have to be that way. You can always make more money. And we kind of have these conversations. But then Aaron and I's language around money has been the biggest shift that we've had to be aware of, right? Because our default setting before was, we can't afford that. We don't have money to do that. We can't do that. We, We just don't have the budget for it. That's too expensive. That was like the mantra, the on repeat every single day. It was fucking government and fucking taxes. We can't afford this. And... You know, so our language these days, it has to be very conscious. Well, it had to be very conscious in the beginning. These days, it's quite natural to respond with like, oh, can I get this, these pair of shoes? Or can I do this event at school and whatever? And it's like, yeah, that's okay. That's totally fine. We have enough in the extracurricular budget for this year for you to do that activity. It's not like, oh my God, we can't afford it. It's like, what are the priorities right now? And part of that is getting the kids really involved in our goals, for our whole family. So we have a long-term vision of, of building our dream home. I'm in a great home right now. I freaking love where I live. But the long-term vision is property and land and motorbike tracks and a full-size basketball court and pulling under like underground garage and concrete swimming pool. Like there is a vision. There is a vision of where we're going and what we're doing. And the kids are so invested in that, that often when we talk about, you know, okay, we don't have money for $1,200 basketball shoes right now. That would have been the old conversation. The new conversation is like, I understand you want $1,200 basketball shoes. I think they're amazing. And I am so excited because I know you're going to get them. However, 
right now, this month, that's not a priority for us. Right now, the priority for us is getting new wardrobes, like getting new drawers for your wardrobe. Or right now, the priority for us is booking a family ho- booking a family holiday. Right now, the priority for us is getting the hoist put in daddy's shed for his work. So because we let the kids know about our goals, because we all sit down and do vision boards together and talk about where we're headed as a family, as businesses, all that with the kids, they know that when I say that's just not the priority right now, or we have money, but our money is allocated for other things right now, or our money, our money's working towards that goal um, instead. So I got a new car recently and we actually ended up trading it straight for the Jeep, which was great. But there was a period of time where the kids were like, oh, can we do this in the school holidays? If we do that in the school holidays, I'm like, we can go to as many parks as you want. And they were like, why can't we go down and stay in the city for a night? And I'm like, look, I get it. But that a night in a hotel is like about $600 for our family. And right now that money is allocated to the savings account for mummy's new car. So we will do a night in the hotel another time. And it's this, this thing of like, it's not never saying no to your kids, but it's giving them the understanding and like the respect of if they're an adult and saying like, okay, we can work towards that. You know, Eric says, I want to stay in a hotel for my birthday this year. And it's like, no worries. We can work towards that. We'll make that happen. But then he also came out a couple of months ago and says, I want a new BMX bike. And I'm like, okay, mate. So this is how much the night in the hotel costs. This is how much the BMX costs. This is how much I'm spending on your birthday. So you can pick one of those and whichever one you pick is totally fine. You have a think about it and let me know. So it's having these conversations with kids. It's one, it's not babying them. It's not babying them and, you know, pretending that money doesn't exist and it's no problem and they don't need to know about it because they're not old enough. But at the same point, it's educating them and giving them the responsibility to make decisions, to learn from mistakes, to learn from making interesting decisions with money. And it all comes back to our language. So when we talk about being able to afford something, we talk about budgeting, we talk about how much something costs. We're very careful with our language to not say like, oh my God, that's way too expensive. Is that that guy fucking dreaming, charging that much for that service? And instead just going like, that's a little bit out of the budget that we wanted to spend, but that's totally okay. We'll think about it and make some choices when it comes to bills and stuff. And it's like, okay, that was a little bit more than I expected for, but that's totally fine. I will call up and organize to pay that instead of being like, fucking gas companies put up my bill for $100. Like it's just, it's the energy in which you react to money. If you keep this neutral ground gratitude with it, like, yes, Aaron and I celebrate and we've had a great day at work. Like, I think today we just tallied up. We made, like, $1,400 today, the two of us. Um, and so, like, we did, like, mum and dad made $1,400 today. Like, we had a really awesome day. That's great. But then at the same point, when we get a bill, it's like, oh, bill for electricity. You know, if we're not giving money power over us, we're creating a nurturing relationship with money. Just like I'm trying to create a nurturing relationship with my kids. Like when they make a mistake, if I yell at them and scream at them, next time they make a mistake, they're going to hide it and lie about it because they don't want to get yelled and screamed at. It's the same with money. (laughs) Like if I get a bill and I start yelling at money because I'm like, you just came into my life and now you're going out and you're going out so fast and it's not freaking fair. Do you think money is going to want to be in my life more? So it's modeling the exact same relationship I want to have with my kids. It's like open, trusting, nurturing, supportive fun, expansive. It's the exact same relationship with money. And so shifting our language has been really important. 
deciding what type of energy we want to create around money and wealth and goals within our family. And then deciding to let kids make mistakes. And when they do make mistakes, not being like, I told you so, you fucking idiot. And instead just being like, no worries. What are you going to do different next time? That's totally okay. The way you're feeling is very normal. But what do you want to do about it next time? How we react in those situations is everything. Our energy is everything. So those are just a couple of little tips. I've been told I should write books on this. I've been told I should do a kid's book around money mindset. I've obviously done two money mindset books for adults, for women. Um, it's something that a lot of you ask for. I'm, I'm not sure I'm the expert to do that. I would probably have to collaborate with like a child psychologist and a writer specifically from children because I swear too much. But it might be something that we decide to go with. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you have any questions around this topic, it is something that I now do feel confident to talk about a little bit more because it's been five years of implementing this with my kids and my family. And I'm starting to really see the results in their attitudes towards work, income, wealth, money, goals. So now after five years of really doing this work, I feel confident talking about it. I feel confident, not necessarily like teaching on it because it's not something I want to roll into a course, but speaking on it. And, and not giving advice, but giving examples of what I'm doing to hopefully help other people heal and transform their relationship with money so that they can create a more positive relationship with money as well. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's me for today. I can't wait to hear your feedback on this episode and I will speak to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mums Manifesting Wealth podcast series by Shani Gates and Team Sexy Selfish. Please leave a like, comment, review and share and don't forget to subscribe. The more you share, the more people we can impact and the more awesome free content I can create for you all. If you're wondering where to go next or have some feedback for this episode, you can hit me up on Instagram at sexy underscore selfish or visit our website www.sexyselfish.com. We've got heaps of freebies there for you guys to check out as well. Thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing day.